0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Theology Live, the show where we talk theology, make fun of Kevin. I was I was planning on making fun of Kevin today. I was planning on the third thing. <laughs> we're but honoring Kevin today. <laughs> yeah, today we're
1: going. Should we start with this? We're going to mm, honor him. No. No, we're going to st- we're going to start off with it. So we, okay. we've been we've been talking about this challenge. What well, what are we calling it? Kevin's hot minute. Kevin's hot minute. And since, as Sam said, this is a show of theology, what we're going to do is have Kevin expound some sound theology. Mm-hmm. But prior to this expounding, Kevin is going to eat something spicy. Now, this isn't just a little bit spicy. this is actually the world's hottest chip i it's could true. I could uh confirm this because I ate a piece. This
0: would you say like maybe one percent of the chip? total? A solid two percent two percent of the chip. And uh, it was very spicy. It was very spicy, and this is
1: someone coming from someone who's eaten spicy food his whole life.
0: I've eaten parts like tiny pieces like that of earlier iterations because every year they put out another version of this of these chips. So Kevin, show everyone what size chip what, like because he's being brave. look at this.
1: I ate a speck. I ate a speck and kevin is eating pretty much the full chip uh this is the world's hottest chip and after, what i mean you could do we could we could just set it up and we can go on to stuff and then when you think you're ready you can yeah. say ready yeah that's a bad way
0: to go maybe we should maybe we should drag it out a little bit i don't know what do you think
1: it's up to you kevin i just want to honor you and do you you know show you some respect <laughs> before this here's
0: my issue is sometimes our our spicy friend obsessive gardener pops on a little late this yeah, is an honor of to him be too. Here. And if he he's going to be, here. so let's give it 10 minutes because okay. after that it's on him, but I want, I want obsessive to be here if he's going to be here.
1: And Kevin does not know this is to reiterate. Kevin does not know the theological question that he will be asked. So
0: he'll be posed a theological challenge. Because, no, he'll eat it
1: and right. then he'll have to both listen and then explain.
0: And then now part like of the it. problem with listening <laughs> is this chip
1: actually makes your ears burn.
0: Is that true? It, it, yeah. You kind of your whole head. I ate some really spicy food for dinner like half an hour ago and I'm still feeling the spice in yeah, both no, mouth it, and your stomach. ears
1: burn. Um if you actually look at it, your eyes start to water. <laughs> I think it's it like it it's like it's releasing radioactive waves or something like that it could burn your eyes. This is the kind
0: of love. So and this by is the way, help um,
2: you're
1: helping me.
0: I am helping you. This is us seeking a sponsorship. We paid full price for this chip from this, Pocky. This one chip is like ten bucks. This is the Pocky one chip situation. Okay, one chip wait, challenge.
2: Though. If we buy a bunch of these chips, who's eating them?
1: You. That's, that's the problem. No, you're right. You're going to. That's wh- why we need the sponsorship. I ha- actually we have some no hot sauce that I'm going to let you, man. some hot sauce so that you'll be dipping these chips in.
0: Yeah. I like it. Okay. okay. So we'll come back to this in about, you know, in a few minutes after we intro our topic for tonight. It will be when Kevin warms up and he says it's
1: go time or when we hit 10 likes. Yeah. If that's we good. hit 10 likes, <laughs> it's go time. Wait. Can a single person do more than one? No, life? no. But I will tell you. My daughter said, "If you have Kevin eat that chip, that I will give this
0: video a down vote. I will give oh. it a thumbs down. Oh no, no, that's going to hurt my feelings if Anaya gives um, us a down vote. So okay, here we go. So let's jump in. We are um, rounding the, the the. I was going to make We're, a sports dude, we metaphor. <laughs> we already got it. People <laughs> already that's started liking. Going up. 10 up likes, and we get ten Kevin likes, to eat and Kevin eats the chip. So we are in episode six out of seven. After this week, we're just going to have the Q&A and be done. We've been talking about the Gospels, and most of what we've been looking at is kind of different, kind of apologetic-based stuff about the reliability of the Gospels, trustworthiness of the Gospels. Today, we're kind of taking a slightly different turn, something that, frankly, we probably should have started with, because it's something that's a little bit more basic and foundational for even understanding what they are. Because we've been referring to these four books of the Bible as Gospels. That's what, what the series is called. And um, the truth is there are four books. They're also called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But mm-hmm. the full name of each one is the gospel according to and then the name of the author. So it's the gospel according to Matthew, gospel according to Mark, et cetera. And um, gospel, I have found, you can, you can agree or disagree with this, Isaac. I, it's the gospel. It's one of those words in Christianity, like kingdom or discipleship or plenty of other words where like, we use that word all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you were just to like, you know, wake up a Christian in the middle of the night and be like, quick, what's the gospel? Mm-hmm. What what percentage of Christians do you think could give you a succinct answer? Hey, what's the gospel? Write it down for me.
1: A right. An- like, the, yes, a good answer. A good, a good answer. Very, very few. And here, and this will be a running theme for the rest of this episode. It's not that what people respond with is yes, wrong. This is key. Um, people are going to say, most Christians, if you say, what's the gospel? They're going to say some Christian truth. Most likely they're going to say some Christian truth that's intricately bound up and tied in with the gospel, right. but it won't necessarily be the gospel. And so our concern for today is to be precise with our, with our language and our definition. What exactly do we mean when we say gospel? But as far as how many people would say it, I'd say very few. They'd get other things that are related to or in proximity or are just true deep Christian t- truths, but it's not
0: the, what gospel. the gospel is. Yeah. Because you do find like, it's normal to say, Hey, preach the gospel. I really want to find a church that's preaching the gospel. That's a gospel centered church, et cetera. But to not know what that, I mean, we say at South Valley, the church that we all pastor at, mm-hmm. we say we are a gospel centered church. yeah, And it is, it's always been a concern of ours that man, if the average Christian doesn't know what that word means or what the gospel yeah. actually is, then it's, it's, well, just what what you said is
1: interesting too, because people, people will use that word to, to mean something along the lines of what I want my church to be like. Right. And so they'll say, well, I want a real, a, a church that preaches the gospel that isn't afraid to preach the real gospel. And sometimes that person might be really thinking, I just want, I, I want a pastor who's not afraid to tell everyone their sinners. You right. know, in danger of judgment type of thing, and then someone else may say, "I just want a, a church that's really saturated in the gospel, so people know where they stand because of the gospel." And what they mean is, uh, "I want a church that focuses on grace uh, and teaches people that it's not their works." Right. Uh, and so, again, the two negative op- version
0: would be like, "I want a church that never makes somebody feel bad, but that's just the, talks about yeah the good stuff."
1: Because um, people do that with the word Bible. We're we're not like other churches. We're a Bible church. Well as opposed to to what? What 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 other other action is there? (laughs) What do you mean you're not a gospel church? How can you not be a gospel church? So people use that language in extremely flexible ways, thus adding to just the overall problem that we may be saying true things, maybe we want things that should be in a a local church, but we're making that gospel almost mean anything we want it to be and thus mean nothing.
0: Yeah. So let's look at a couple examples of kind of like stereotypical types of things that are associated with the idea of what the gospel is. Kevin, you want to throw up that... That first meme. Uh, just a reminder for those of you
1: coming in late, the second we hit 10 likes, uh, Kevin eats the death chip, the one chip challenge. Uh, I, I'll i be reciting Psalm 23.
0: <laughs> over him?
1: Oh, Over him, yeah.
0: That's the thing Christians do also. We do things over people, and I've never been quite sure what that means, but that's for a different episode. Okay, this is a beautiful image of a sunset with some clouds, and it says... God has a great plan for your life, and then it gives a verse reference jeremiah twenty nine eleven now there 's a number of issues with this um, that we won 't even spend a whole lot of time getting into. the first one being that 's not even quoting jeremiah twenty nine eleven it 's paraphrasing part of jeremiah twenty nine eleven yeah. and I mean loosely paraphrasing it um, it 's also quoting a verse that both of us would argue is not primarily meant to be used in the way it 's being used in that image yes but we won 't spend a whole lot of time on that. The point here is that some people's idea, and this is very common, of what the gospel is, is encapsulated in that image. Yeah, but I've heard countless times people say the
1: gospel is that God has a wonderful plan for your life.
0: Yeah, God loves you. He has a plan for your life.
1: And if you come to him, you'll have your best joy now.
0: Yeah, and it's meant to kind of give you a sense of of peace about difficult things you might be going through, experiencing, and just to make you feel like, hey, you know what? Whatever's going on, God God loves me and has yeah. a plan for my life. And to your earlier point, we're not saying we'll say we'll give these kind of caveats a million times for all. We're not saying God doesn't love you. We're not saying God doesn't have a plan for your life. We're just saying if you ask the question, what is the gospel? That's not the answer. I don't see a like button, but to me the gospel is the written word of God. Rick Well for Kevin's sake,
1: we we won't tell you where the like button is. That's true. So it makes it harder to us to get to
0: that ten like before before the death chip challenge begins. Beverly Morgan (laughs) says she'll only give us a like if we're nice to Kevin. Um, You should see how we treat Kevin when the cameras are off. It's horrible. (laughs) It's horrible.
1: (laughs) Okay, so and then but see this is why you have to be precise with your words. Even God has a great or a wonderful plan of your life. Whose definition of great? Because I'd say God has a plan for your life. And God's plan for your life is the best possible plan because God is sovereign, all-knowing, and he's perfectly good. But it may not look good to you right. because if you're a persecuted Christian, it doesn't look like it's a great life.
0: Yeah. Look at the Apostle Paul. Somebody to be like, hey, God has a wonderful plan for your life. It's like, yes, of course God had a wonderful plan for Paul's life. But his plan, when he summarized it to Ananias, the dude who brings Paul into the mm-hmm. church, what he says is, I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. Dude. That's the plan God has for Paul's life. That
1: somehow is the best meme or th- like a shirt. Yes. It's Paul and he's blind and it's like <laughs> Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. I must now show him how much he must
0: suffer yeah. for my namesake. God God has a wonderful plan. And again, that is that is a wonderful plan for Paul's life. Think about how the things for Paul eternity, wrote the did. For eternity, he
1: will be in glory type of thing. And it won't even... All the sufferings will be like little blips yeah. and stuff. But again, it... And that's how it's sold. Frankly, a lot of times that's how it's, you know, God has, a, you're going to, everything's going to be great. God has a wonderful plan for your life. Come to him. Uh, and and it's just, that's not the gospel.
0: Right. Absolutely. Here's another version. This is kind of a stand in for a big, giant, like category of gospel definitions. Many of you, if you've been a Christian a long time, you've seen something like this. If you're just listening on the podcast, what it is, is an image of two Mountains with a giant chasm in between them. One mountain says man, the other one says God, and there's a cross in between that says Jesus. Now, like I said, if, you, if you've if you been a Christian any number of years, you've probably seen some version of this, and the idea being presented by it is there's humanity and there's God, and there is this uncrossable gap between them because of sin, and the only way for man to get to God is for Jesus to bridge that gap with the cross. And um, what I would call this kind of category of gospel definition is a reductionistic gospel because it's not that sort of like we said before, it's not that there's that's truth not, in there's that. absolutely truth in that. Um, it's just a tiny piece of the story of what God has done with humanity.
1: Yeah. And, and go ahead and can you put it back up, Kevin? Um, <clears throat> you're one like away from 10 likes, one more like, for one more the like death for, death for the challenge.
0: chip.
1: <clears throat> you can explain that picture in a way that I think is, is true and right and gets, gets to the point. The way I've seen it presented is can be misleading. So it's like God the Father couldn't get to you. Right. He couldn't get so then Jesus had to come. And then he dies and now there's a bridge. And now you can cross over. Right. But the problem is, is even if Jesus built the bridge between you and God, you wouldn't cross it. Right. You would not cross yeah, the bridge. Sort of, You're of, running the other way in rebellion to God. It's not just like Oh, there's a big gulf, and if someone were to build a bridge, I'd run to yeah. heaven. And family. I
0: really want to be with God, and God really wants to be with me, but we can't. Yeah. Like that, both makes you too good and God too weak, right? And, and then the last thing would be is that
1: it's not as if human sin, and then God can't. Like there's this idea, God, like God cannot be in the presence of of sin at all, and that's why He can't be with us. And it's like. When Adam and Eve sin in the garden, God pursues them. It's not God hiding from sin. God is pursuing sinful, rebellious humans. In the book of Job, Satan goes into the, the courtroom of God type right. of thing. So it's not as if God is so weak that his holiness is tarnished by the mere presence of moral law-breaking. Um, so there's just a number of things. that You could explain it in a way that covers all that stuff and does a fair job, but when I've seen it done, it kind of strikes out on all of those points yeah and
0: and part of the problem that you're seeing there in Isaac's explanation is that these things could be like you said technically correct or like you could there's a version of it that's okay but along the way you are implying things that are theologically problematic like humanity just wants to be with God but we can't because there's a gap that is not the picture painted by scripture of humanity and God we're enemies of God we don't want him we reject him we are willful participants in the kingdom of darkness Paul says in Ephesians. So yeah, so that, that's just a good example. Um, other things you might hear, we don't have images for these necessarily, but you know, this is, it's, it's the steps for how you get to heaven. This is mm-hmm. the, you know, the way for you to get to heaven when you die. This is um, what's the gospel. What's well, that God loves you. Something that small and simple. Yeah. Um. That, and and so that's probably the other biggest one is that the gospel is how
1: I can get to heaven when I die. Right. And again, We'll for like as you said, we'll be saying this stuff a thousand times over. It's not as if that's not an important question. How, where do I go when I die? Is it a very, very important yeah. question, and that question is
0: bound up with
1: the gospel. But that is not the gospel,
0: right? All right, so let's jump in. Well, let's start with the the kind of that, the simplest level here, and we're going to look at the pictures painted by the Old Testament and the New Testament, and original, and eventually arrive at you know, a a kind of concise definition that we can give you guys. But first off, right off the bat, the word gospel is a eventual translation of a Greek word, euangelion, or you could also say it evangelion. It's where we get the word evangelism from or evangelist. And at the simplest level, euangelion just means good news. It's a compound word. You means good and angelos means message, right? So Mm -hmm. you've got good message just a pronouncement of good news. Um, it wasn't specifically a Christian word in Greek. Mm-hmm. It's just a generic word for good news. News. And so the question is, so that, that's kind of the foundational truth. The gospel is fundamentally news. And so the, the question you have to answer, and that already, by the way, wipes out a ton of those options we looked at yeah. before.
1: It's not five steps. It's not, um, this is what you must do in order to obtain this. It's an, annou- it's an announcement. Yeah.
0: An announcement so of something. It's the proclamation of something. It's news. And so the question is, what is the nature of the news? So you want to start Old Testament? Yeah. I'm checking our like count. Now It's holding steady at it, nine. It's holding steady at nine. Some of you might be late arrivals, and we just have to let you know, if we hit 10 likes, Kevin will eat something very spicy and answer a theological question while he's reacting to the spice. So... <laughs> if you're here and you still haven't liked the video, you Think could about be the, the pressure one
1: to on, on, cause cause you know, reach nine pretty quick. Yeah. But now it's like, I will be personally responsible.
0: You know, it for just Kevin's pain. It <laughs> occurred to me. I'm sitting here with a computer. You could be texting
2: people.
1: Oh, dude. No, oh, I could be liking the video.
0: right now. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to do it. I play by the rules. I am watching more people pop on though. So somebody like this video so we can make Kevin eat something real spicy. And, uh, all right, so let's jump into the Old Testament here. Now, there, there is a, because we're going to look at, like, the Jewish perspective on what this idea of announcing good news might look like, what that category would look like to the Jewish mind, mm-hmm. and then we'll jump ahead and look at the kind of Greek-Roman, Greco-Roman view. So, Jewish perspective. You want to start off with Isaiah 52? Just take a yeah. look at that, or do you have background you want to give first? No,
1: just hit it, because it actually is kind of embedded in the verse.
0: Yeah, all right, here we go. This is Isaiah. Oh, my God.
1: We,
0: 11 th- likes. Pause. We'll be, just, we just skipped past 10. Straight to 11. There are 10 now. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. Thank you guys for liking the video. Um, Kevin, this is Kevin's hot minute. Kevin's going to eat a big chunk of the world's hottest chip, the Pocky one chip challenge, which is supposed to be incredibly difficult. And while he's reacting to the, the Scoville units just raging through his mouth, Isaac's going to ask him a theological question that he has to answer in a minute. All right? I'm so excited for this. The time has finally come. There it is. Oh, Dude. That's a big piece. That's a huge. You, you're going to become the, you're, this is the world's record.
2: That's not the world's record.
0: It's the world's record for the it's the, the, biggest, the hottest chip. It's the biggest piece of chip ever eaten by the guy controlling the board for a theology talk show.
2: In this particular
0: location. In, in this church, yes. All right. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. You got your question on deck for him? I do. Okay. All right, Kevin. All right, we're good. Everybody pray for Kevin.
1: I cannot (laughs) believe this. Okay, so rough, you know, you go back several hundred years and there's a a big debate about the inner mechanics and mechanisms regarding salvation and how humans receive it. And so one person uh, by the name of John Calvin argued for a high uh, level of sovereignty of God, actually pure sovereignty of God in the act of salvation. His later followers came up with an acronym ah, to describe his teaching. <laughs> and the <laughs> acronym up. is based... <laughs> the, I'll give you the word, and then you just... The acronym they had was TULIP. And right. each one of those letters represents...
0: Like a pillar of Calvinist theology. A, pi- a pillar
1: of, of Calvinism. All right. So, Kevin... What does TULIP stand for?
2: TULIP stands for total depravity. Yeah. Uh, uh, Oh, oh, I'm going to come back to that one. Hold on. (laughs) Dude, it's bad. It's so Um, (laughs) bad. I can't believe he's holding up. Is it unlimited atonement? No, that's L, limited atonement. Yes, you're doing good. Is uh, I know the other one, so hold on. Irresistible grace and perseverance of the saints or perseverance of God. Yeah.
0: You're missing just only you. um, He's getting so red.
2: Look at at the color. um, Gosh darn it.
0: You have to eat the rest of the chip if you can't get the answer.
1: (laughs) You got total depravity. We're not going to say the U. L was limited atonement.
0: I was irresistible, I was irresistible grace. grace, and P was perseverance, perseverance of the saints. Right. You got and four Kevin, out of five. Kevin
1: noticed that some people like to point out it's not the perseverance of the saints that's the emphasis. It's God who enables the saints to persevere. So you actually got the bonus reformed points I did, on but, that.
2: But I'm having trouble
1: here. <laughs> yeah, you
0: <Reasonably> are. So. <laughs> How is it? How hot is it, Kevin? Give us a quick It's reality. pretty hot.
2: I did take the other piece, though.
0: Oh, you ate the rest of it? Oh, my
2: gosh. Uh, it's going to hurt
0: tomorrow. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Don't elaborate. I can't
1: believe you did that.
0: I'm really, you know what? Here's the thing: if you know Kevin and you've seen Kevin eat some of the hot stuff that we've eaten with him, you know that for him to react like this is to something no joke. means it's extremely and hot. And for me to full on be like, dude, you don't have don't to eat the it. whole thing. Yeah, you that's true. Just eat a small piece. Hey, tell the backstory about your kids. You had one kid who wanted to. Yeah, save one of wh- my
1: kids um, was like, "You can't, you can't have Kevin eat this. You no way, Dad. No, you can't do this. this is so wrong. Uh, I'll give your video a downvote if you do this. My other kid." one of my sons just had the bag in hand with a big smile the whole time dad don't forget this you have to make <laughs> kevin eat this kevin's going to eat the world's record hottest that's chip. so awesome i'm right. impressed i'm, I'm too impressed. i'm impressed trouble with you okay we're going to give you to the end of the show don't to Google think it. of that um and it'll come it'll come to you because you're actually in a moment you're 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 going have to have heavenly visions yeah. yeah all the knowledge of the theologian is going to start it's coming it's going to get downloaded before absolutely you in,
0: and don't don't cheat and don't Google. We'll check in again to see if you... I remember what I'm the U so is. I'm so impressed. But I didn't I, eat that chip, so I'm not that proud of myself. No, I got the U. I know the U for sure.
1: And I'm not saying it.
0: I'm not saying it either. Okay. Not to the end. Okay. So now, Isaiah. Isaiah 57, or 52, verse 7, rather. So this is a vision that Isaiah is having um, in which um, God is is speaking about the redemption of his people, that He's they've gone through their sufferings, they've gone through the exile, and and... God is now talking about their redemption. And he says this really, really strange phrase. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Yeah. And then the image goes on and on. If we had time, we could read it. It's really beautiful. There's a watchman standing on the wall, seeing Mm this messenger coming down the yeah. mountains to deliver and the this messenger news. is going to announce the good news.
1: And in Isaiah, the, the idea, it's important here. It's the announcement of salvation and that Israel's God is reigning, right? Israel's God is King. He rules and reigns sovereignly and he brings about salvation.
0: Yes. Now the, and this is the Hebrew, this isn't the word euangelion because it's the old Testament. So this is the Hebrew word, Basur, Baser. And it's, this is, like Isaac said, this is national news. This is like... Big time. We're coming to give a royal announcement that your kingdom has been victorious. So you picture, this is a prophecy we're looking at, but long before that, you think of King David and his armies out to yeah. battle, and he's waiting to hear how the battle went. And someone is going to run back to deliver this basir. basir. I'm saying it wrong, huh? basir?
1: It don't matter, man. just looking basir. at Kevin. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Kevin, show us your face again. We're gonna spend the rest of the episode just purely concerned about. <laughs> oh no! How you feeling, man?
1: I I I've, I have a new respect.
0: Now people can't see this, but Kevin has some uh, coffee mate single serve cups that he's ready to take as like little cool down shots. I'm surprised you haven't tapped into those yet. He's
1: man. he's finishing the one chip challenge,
0: like the real one. Yeah, the real one is you don't drink anything for an hour. I think is the max. Some people do five minutes. If I, you do I five minutes, I thought it was like five minutes. Or five 15. minutes is like the minimum to get it, I think, and then if you can keep going to be. Now, Either way, you've done, you've done it. You've done it. You've done it, dude. And I'm impressed. I'm deeply I'm impressed. Really impressed. So again, picture. Can't figure out the view, what's that? Can't figure out the Still working on
1: it. Okay, it'll come. It'll come.
0: He'll get the U by the end. Now, <clears> um, so again, picture picture a kingdom of people. And there is a battle going on that they don't know how it's going. They don't know what's happening. And a messenger is returning to say, we won. The king has won the the victory. He reigns. He reigns. Everything's good. That's that's the idea. And that's all over the Old Testament, that image. This is like the most prominent version because you have that famous... Um, and kind of poetically strange but awesome line about these beautiful feet because the message yeah. that's being delivered is so beautiful. Um, but all throughout the rest of the Old Testament, you have images like this one. Now, anything else in that time period? No. So fast forward from Isaiah, five 600 years, and you have now the Roman Empire. Who, they've taken over the entire known world at this point, mm-hmm. And the spread of the empire comes with the Pax Romana. You want to talk about how this ties in?
1: Yeah. I mean, essentially Rome is saying that they're bringing peace to the world. That's what Pax Romana means. They're bringing peace to the world. Um, The problem is they bring peace through the sword and yeah, your people don't die, but we had to kill.
0: (laughs) He's laughing because Kevin just abruptly left the room. Okay. He's just getting a tissue. My. It's like, you're going to have to monologue for a while because he left the camera on you and went home. So,
1: yeah, So, <laughs> yeah. they're bringing peace to the world, but they're bringing it through the sword. And a whole lot of people are suffering and dying in order to give you peace type type of thing. Yeah. So how does the
0: idea of good news factor in with that?
1: Well, in the Roman context, let's say Caesar sends off a bunch of troops to some far off battleground and it's very similar to this Old Testament image. Uh, Caesar's armies are victorious, so then there would be a herald who would come and announce the good news of Caesar's victory. It's very, it's very similar. Th- there's going to be someone who's going to say, Caesar's victorious, Rome is victorious, and this, these, these are the
0: implications of that victory mm. for you. Um, now, the one thing that might make this a little different is that the herald of Rome might arrive at a place where Rome has never been in power before. Mm-hmm. And because of a battle that happened far off, the herald arrives in your town and says, "Hey, good news! Yeah, Evangelion, Rome's still growing. We're spreading. You are now under the peace of Rome. Caesar is your king. Congratulations! This is going to be great for you guys. Yeah, but that it's not just coming home to give that mm-hmm. news. The Pax, the Pax Romana. It's like a herald shows up at your
1: door. It's expanding. Yeah, there's an expanding nature to it, but still very much. Then this is important and an, an announcement." of news of a victory of a king who's now in, he's ruling and reigning back to the Isaiah image.
0: Yeah. So, th- so, th- so keep all
1: of that in mind. Cause it's like laying the foundation.
0: Yeah. So all, so all of these ideas are embedded. I mean, you could, we could look at example after example of this in the new Testament and in the old Testament, but but that image of somebody is coming to pronounce this good news of a victory that the king has won on behalf of the people. And it's, The reason it's good news is because of all of the things that go along with that safety and security and continued Mm -hmm. sovereignty for the, for the people and all of that. So is there anything else you want to jump to before we jump into first Corinthians and look at what Paul has to say?
1: No. I mean, if we're like setting this up, trying to solve the mystery. Okay. So we've established what the word actually means in Greek. We've looked at its usage in the old Testament and in the Greco Roman world. So now what we should be trying to figure out is is what is or what are the elements of this announcement perfect what, what what are the elements that's that are on the news type of thing
0: i hope people could hear kevin coughing through our microphones in the background by the way
1: he's he's doing way i, I watch videos of people doing this and they're destroyed i'm actually genuinely kevin, very impressed no i i am too because kevin's like coughing and he's like he's a little little red but it ain't he's not dying it's pretty awesome it's pretty tough guy right now, man.
0: Now, there are definitely, you know, you wish, that a lot of times in the Bible, you wish that the author would just, like, give you a really direct definition of a theological term. Yeah, right? and
1: we've we talked about this, the nature of the Bible and what it's doing, what it's trying to accomplish. But, like, it's like that for everything. You don't see, God is a trinity. And this Let me is tell what, you exactly what that is. Yes, yeah, yeah. so, uh, and this is the exact breakdown of the incarnation or something it gives you the information and the story and then later pe- after people see the information and they try to kind of make sense of it put into categories define it um and the there is no place where it goes the gospel is yeah. this 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 you'll see the gospel announced you'll see uh it talk about the gospel being announced but the closest thing we have to like the closest thing to a definition is in 1 Corinthians 15.
0: Yeah, and it's pretty darn good. I mean, I was going to say, this is, this is one of the best like theological definitions you get. So let's take a look at this here together. This is 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 1. And he says to them, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. And one thing that's kind of cool there, just to pause, is gospel I preached to you is actually all one word. So he uses gospel... He uses that same word "ungeleion," but he uses it as a verb, and so what the what he actually says is, you know, "ungeleitzen." Yeah, I, I want to remind you of this gospel. But it's yeah, it was ad, trendy
1: a while, but and it's and it's actually not wrong. It's actually gets to the point because we just don't have the word the noun gospel used in a verb like way. But yeah. for a while it was like you could you talk about I am going to be gospeling you, gospeling. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of what Paul's doing.
0: Yeah. It's also what the angels do when they, Indeed. when they, well, yeah, when they pronounce to the shepherds, they say, Hey, I bring you good news. I bring you good news in English is you yeah, so It's one word. Yeah. Super cool. So he says, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now he says what that message was that he delivered. He says, for I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Now he goes on to talk about more appearances and kind of proofs of the fact that the resurrection truly happened, Mm -hmm. including that he appeared to Paul himself. But that is that those four, three and four are kind of like the meat of the message. So I'll read it one more time and then you can unpack it for us, Isaac. He says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Yeah, so what
1: you have is um, almost like a brief summary. You might hear the phrase, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And in this, you almost have like a, 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 a kind of, I don't know what to call it, like a, Creedle, almost, it's yeah. borderline creedal, like it, formation it of is. that. It's like, there's this, there's this, there's this, and there's a rhythm to it too. So you have the elements of the death, the burial, the resurrection, and then this very important thing that was done according to the scriptures, and it's yeah. mentioned twice, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures. And when the Bible does mention something twice like that right after, it's like, it's very important. Yeah. So the announcement includes the elements of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and that it was for sins. There's a reason for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, all of this is in fulfillment and in accordance with the scripture. So it's not like this new thing. It was essential for the first Christians to say, this is the climax of a long story that's been going on for a very long time. All the way back to the Old Testament, in particular Isaiah. The people in Isaiah's day are looking for the day when their God will reign, when their God will bring about salvation and that's occurring in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus.
0: So he's, he's bringing fulfillment to the entirety of the Hebrew story. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in, in a broader sense, to the entirety of the human story, that it starts with Adam, but very specifically, then yeah. with Abraham, you get the first of these promises that God makes mm-hmm. to humans to do this thing. And so Paul is, as you said, intent on bringing out that this is not just some new random thing that God did because his other plans didn't work. Yeah. This is everything coming about as it was promised in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And so those elements, I mean, are, are. it's nice because they're fairly simple to follow that it's Christ died for sins and was raised mm-hmm. in accordance with the scriptures. And um, to me, the key there is that, like we said at the beginning, a lot of those elements of those little pieces that people often think are the gospel, they yeah. are in fact there, right? Yeah. Or they flow out of it or th- Depending, they could be things that flow out of it. They
1: could be byproducts. Yeah, consequences of it. Consequences, implications, but they're not... The core is in an announcement about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That is the core of this announcement. It said nothing about... and. Also, you need to know that that means when you die, you can go to heaven. Certainly a big part of it and important, but it's not the core foundational announcement. The
0: fact that you and I will be with Jesus when we die is a consequence of what the gospel is announcing. It's not, in fact, the news that's being announced. The news is this great victory was won. Jesus is victorious. Jesus has paid for sin. Yeah, and there's a million great results of that. But those things themselves are not the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so similar, if you think about that kind of Roman context, that the herald who arrives to announce the evangelion of Rome, that Caesar has won, and as a result, you're now part of Rome, congratulations, everybody, Yeah, it's very, very similar, and you can actually see how how there's almost like a polemic to Paul's way of doing this, that mm-hmm. Paul's use of these words is kind of like giving this counterclaim of who has actually been victorious in history, and who is actually in charge around here?
1: Yeah, because again, we're, we don't think in these categories much, but the second you say someone is victorious or that God is Jesus is reigning, that means he's king. So there's, there's another layer to that that's in there. In fact, in the book of Acts, they're proclaiming the gospel, and it's accused that the Christians are declaring there to be another king but Caesar. Yeah. So when the first Christians preached the gospel, they announced the message of Jesus, Roman citizens are going, oh, They're saying there's another king outside of Caesar because that's in it. To say Jesus is the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's king, he's victorious, he's the one who's reigning is essentially the opposite of the Roman message. Just saying, no, peace is coming, forgiveness is coming, the king is reigning through Jesus, not through the empire.
0: Yeah, and as we've talked about in the past, people aren't persecuting Christians for like a spiritualized idea about who Jesus is. This is like sedition. It's political. Christians
1: were not fed to lions because they said, if you die one day, if you believe in this, you can go to a nice place. Yeah. Being fed to lions because they're saying Jesus is King. And by implication, no
0: one else is. So the idea throughout the Bible of preaching the gospel, you see that word translate the word K in Greek translated variously. It's preaching, proclaiming, saying the gospel carries all of that kind of nuance of you are a messenger, this Royal messenger arriving with an announcement of a great victory that has been won on behalf of God's people. Mm -hmm. And that to me is infinitely more Epic than, Oh man, I've got, I've got a number of points that if we can walk through all these and if you believe them all intellectually, then I can promise you you'll go to heaven when you die. There's just something. Sorry. I'm listening to Kevin. You okay, man? Go
1: go to go to show off, man. Put, flip the camera. You should be proud. Hey, you look almost normal. No, dude, like people who do this, they're just like their nose is running, their eyes are like, Kevin's all right.
0: Yeah, he's a good man, Kevin. Kev-
1: what that was to Kevin was to many people we know we ain't going to say their names, like when they eat a mild <laughs> hot sauce at Taco Bell. That's true. They have a greater reaction than Kevin just with the world's hottest chip.
2: Yeah, I would say I think the roof of my mouth might boil up. Really? It feels like I ate something hot that burned the top of my mouth. Like temperature hot. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's pretty crazy. You're the real MVP. You are the real MVP, but you still don't know what the U in tulip stands for. I'm
1: I'm trying to think, and I I keep thinking like- You uh, almost had it a second. You said something that was close. Yeah, you did. Very close.
2: It's like universal application or universal availability or
1: unlimited. All of those things sort of sound like it, but they're also very far away. Yeah. But they're very, like you're in the ballpark. Gosh, darn it. Okay, so the other thing that's important to note is, because it's like, well, okay, that's a good point. Seems convincing, but uh, do we have evidence of this is how the first Christians thought of it? And the, the answer is yes, and the evidence is pretty strong, and it's like right in front of our faces, but so easy to miss. And it has to do with the Gospels that right. we've been talking about in this series.
0: Yeah, so... We said at the beginning, these books are called the Gospels. And sort of like the idea of the Gospel, we're very comfortable calling these the Gospels. But if you think the Gospel is God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, what kind of sense would it make to call these four yep. books Gospels? The early the early church called Matthew
1: the Gospel according to Matthew. And what is Matthew sharing? The birth of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus— the teachings of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus—it's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Then there's the Gospel according to Mark, the Gospel according to Luke, and they're all telling you the story of Jesus. So, and maybe we could go at to, at the end if we have time, we can do a little exercise where it's like, okay, if you had three words to say what the gospel is, what yeah. would it be? Five words, seven words, yeah. That'd be In true. the most simplest form, Jesus is the gospel, right? Jesus,
0: Jesus is it. Yes. And what? that's, and that's you, that requires you. It's, it's borderline reductionistic only because it requires you to understand what you mean by Jesus. Yeah. Because you're not just talking about the person you're talking about the person and work yes. of Jesus.
1: It, yeah. And if you had more words, you would say the victory of Jesus. And if you had well, I'm already getting to that, but let's yeah. k- cheat. And you'd say the victory of Jesus over all things, you know, you could yeah. spell it out. Yeah, and maybe, And we again. should,
0: we should maybe if you're, if you're watching the stream, try it out. Give yourself three to five words and say, how would you, after everything we've talked about, how would you define what the gospel is? And well, c- uh, if you're watching...
1: To, one of the other ways that is good for this
0: is Mark chapter one. Yeah, I actually already okay. had it up, okay. believe it or not. Okay, man. Same wavelength. Kevin, if you're able to pull up my screen, no big deal if you, if you can't at the moment. But those of you who have a Bible, if you just open it up to Mark chapter one, it's the most epic of the starts of the Gospels, yeah. in my opinion. Because Mark doesn't mess around. He's, like, down to business all the time.
1: There was a meme that I saw today. I um, saw the
0: same one, I'll bet. I already forgot what it said, though. Tell me, remind me. Well, let's you. get down.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it sh- it's showing you the differences of the Gospels, and it shows Matthew, and it's a picture of, like, a saintly Matthew talking about his Gospel. And it gives
0: a big, long... And it's a
1: big, long explanation. Mark, uh, then it goes to Luke, and it's a big, long... Exp- the Gospel, da, 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 and then it's John. And then Mark...
0: It's the dude from Mulan. <laughs> the dude
1: from Mulan. The, Let's get, get down, down to business. Because We're, that's what Mark is. He just, he's like...
0: Everything on. happens immediately. Imme- like By the time you're done with chapter one, half of the other gospels have already happened. Yeah. Um, but Mark begins his gospel with this sentence. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. Yes. And, and then
1: what does he do? He tells you about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. His introduction to his book. This is the gospel. How does the gospel begin? With the beginning of Jesus, his ministry, John, uh, him going out and getting baptized. So you, you, it sounds so simple, but it, it, it's, it's an important distinction. When we say the gospel,
0: it's the good news of Jesus and what he did. Yes. Um, it's an announcement of something that already happened. Yes, it's not You don't actualize it by no. believing in it. Exactly. It's not something you have to do. It's not even something that's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's really, I know we keep saying the same stuff, but man, this gets so misunderstood and it's so crucial. The gospel is announcing something that happened 2,000 years ago. Yeah. So 2,000 years ago, God did something. Whether that's
1: anyone f- likes it or not, whether you believe it or not, right. it's, the gospel is not contingent upon any human endeavor. Right. It's completely independent. And Jesus is victorious whether anyone likes it or not. And with that comes victory over Satan, sin, death. That means there's implications and his victory has has implications for your
0: forgiveness of sins.
1: Yeah. You're you're no longer a child of darkness under the dominion of Satan. You've been transferred into yeah. the kingdom of light.
0: There's there is certainly a, an expected response from the human that you have to you have to contend with this news in some yes. way. And so the the desired response from God is that you would bow to the bow victorious to king, yeah. and that you would entrust yourself to the king, and then all of this amazing stuff will happen. But that's not the gospel. That's the expected response to the gospel. And one of the, one of the dangers is
1: that if you make one of the implications of the gospel the gospel, you will unknowingly dilute the potency mm. of other elements and implications of yeah, the gospel. So true. for instance, um, the go- the go- Jesus tore the wall down between Jew and Gentile. And now the gospel is going out to every tribe, tongue, and nation so that all the nations are going to come and worship the God of Israel. So that's this universal idea of, of God loving all people, all ethnicities, and gathering
0: them all together to himself. That's a
1: major implication yeah. of the gospel. And by the
0: way, promised all throughout the prophets for thousands of years.
1: Yeah, but if it's just about you getting to heaven, although that's, again, an element and a part of it, you'll have the tendency to kind of lower the volume on these other things like, like, what about your own peace with God on a, on a kind of psychological, spiritual yeah. level? Um, what does it mean for...
0: What about your belonging to a people? So people. Jesus dies to, Revelation says, to, to ransom a people. So he's yes. creating a new people from all the peoples of, yeah. of, the, of the world. And one of the most fo- foundational pieces of good news that comes from the gospel is that you, by entrusting yourself to this victorious king, are automatically brought into a new people. Yeah. And, and we don't think about that very much in the Western world because we're so individualistic. That's right. But for most of the world, and frankly, for you also, whether you know it or not, that's some of the best news in the world, that there is a people that you are a yes, part of. Yes, you
1: belong to a family. And so if the volume's up full blast on how you get to heaven, it's about you independently getting yourself into a nice location when you die versus I, am, I belong to a new family a people. I have an identity in the people of God. Uh, and that's like so huge. And that's not just yeah. like, it has implications for what churches, what do we do on Sunday mornings? It has implications for how you ought to live your Christian life. Um, and this, we do a whole episode on this for another reason, but it's like, uh, there's a big trend to kind of like individualistic Christianity. It's just going to like, you know, my church is, I'm not going to go to church Sunday. I'm going to do I read my church. Bible at the beach. I'm going to read my Bible at the beach, reading the Bible at the beach. Good. Skipping church, church <laughs> the gathering of the saints, not good. Yeah, and if, and you, if you understood, you're a part of the family, yeah. not just about you. So that that's huge, well, that's why we're
0: hugely we're, important. We're, we're doing this. Yeah, and so so for you at home, the biggest thing to remember from this, if there's one thing you remember, it doesn't have to be a fancy definition. Although we'll get to that, and I think it would be good to have a clearly articulated definition. The biggest thing is that it is. News about something that happened. Yes. So it's more sim. It's not like me coming to you and saying, "Dude i I found this great insurance company. You're gonna save a bunch of money. Check this out." That's advice. Mm -hmm. But if I came to you and said, "You're never gonna believe what just happened. My car went off the road. I was sinking in in the ocean in my car, and somebody dove in and pulled me out." That's I'm telling you news about something that happened. And so you just remember. We are announcing, and this also, by the way, I've, I've found this personally, actually, with my personality, that there is some of, some of the evangelistic pressure comes off when you understand it this way, mm-hmm. that it's not about convincing, it's not about like getting someone to do something. If you are preaching the gospel, according to what that means in the Bible, you are announcing something that happened. So that to the person that you're talking to, people in your family, your job is to tell them what happened to yeah. the best of your ability. And of course, there's persuasion and stuff that goes into this, but... But it's not about convincing someone to do something. Mm-hmm. It's about telling them good news. Telling people about... It's, it's, again, almost so simple.
1: Oh, you tell them about Jesus. You tell them about what happened. Tell them about what he did. His life, death, and his resurrection.
0: That's pretty awesome.
1: And then there's all kinds of other things that flow out of that you can talk about. But just start telling people about Jesus.
0: Now, before we close with some definition stuff, I just realized we almost forgot our segment. The Tweet mm-hmm. of the Week. That's right. <laughs> it's Kevin's forgiven of whatever. Yeah. I mean, he was going to hit the... Oh, the nice tweet is the, back.
1: That dying
0: death bird thing is...
1: That last bird ate one of those death chips. It
0: did. <laughs> yeah, you know the go-away bird, which Kevin had the tweet from last week? Um, yes. Susan Mister sent us a remember picture. Remember, sent me a picture bird. of the go-away bird, but I forgot to uh, send it it's to a, Kevin. It's a real thing. So this week's Tweet of the Week. Now, so far, all of our tweets of the week have been tweets that we like. And so um, we've shown you who... Sent who. It's just an
1: ugly week. We're, we're eating hot chips. Yeah, eating hot we're chips.
0: We're showing dumb tweets. Spicy So tweets. some of them, when I just want to put it out there that when we show one that we're going to be critical of, we're going to do what we did here, which is block out the person who tweeted it um, because we're not trying to drag anybody and we're not trying to be jerks. We're just no, trying to be no, do no. theology. So we'll so show yeah. you who it is when we want to give him. Well, props. Well, no, I mean,
1: I mean, it was Stan.
0: It was Stan. You, <laughs> you know how you know. know it's not Stan? Because look at how many likes it got. My standing getting no. That's 11. actually 4, depressing. Uh, yeah, isn't that? Okay,
1: read go ahead.
0: All right, here's the tweet, especially for those of you who are listening, not watching. This is a tweet from, I believe, Easter Day. Do you remember when Easter was last year or this year, Kev? Um, it's either that on it is correct, I think. I think it's on Easter Day, tweeted by a very prominent person who we won't mention who it was. Um, eleven point four thousand likes, quoted six hundred and forty seven times, retweeted sixteen hundred times, and it says this. This is perfect because it's an example of one of those things that sounds really nice, but it's actually terrible theology. It says the meaning of Easter is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whether you are Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves.
1: I'm a little concerned right now. (laughs) So am I. That's good.
0: So let's unpack what he's saying, and then you you can... Tell us what the problem oh with it is, gosh, what the problems with it, it. are. <laughs> we could do a whole series on these. Um,
1: well, one, okay, the meaning of Easter
0: is more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus okay. Christ. What we've just
1: done for the last hour is say pretty much that the meaning of Easter is actually the resurrection. The resurrection. I mean, obviously, that the resurrection includes the life and death because you don't right. come back to life if you, you know. So the whole point of Easter the gospel Christianity is that that is the it's not like well what meaning is higher
0: yeah that is the actual meaning that's and and Paul very famously says if the resurrection didn't happen then people should feel sorry for us and so so he starts out by making the claim that the real meaning of Easter is actually more transcendent than the resurrection of Jesus Christ so you got to like sit up it's and go okay it's more transcendent
1: than the meaning the
0: real meaning and what it, and then what he says is something that, even if it was true, is unquestionably less transcendent than a resurrection. That's true. But it's also not true. He says, whether you are Christian or not, through a commitment to helping others, we are able to save ourselves. And the reason we're doing this is because you 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 have to, as a Christian, develop the ability to think critically and theologically through stuff like this. Because that might sound really nice, but think about what's being said yeah. here. To your point... Helping
1: others isn't even a transcendent. No, it's like not even on the you same. You gotta level. Google
0: what the word transcendent means yes. before you make this tweet.
1: And the whole the whole reason why Jesus came to be victorious over Satan's in his death is because we could not save ourselves.
0: Yeah. So so in that tweet is. What I would frankly call a denigration of the resurrection, and it offends me. Yes. Which is why I'm kind of spicy about it. We spicy. Um, the the second thing spicy. is he's he's got a full blown universalist claim in there that hey, Christianity's not just for Christians. Salva- sa- salvation's not just for Christians. Christian or not, you can you can save says, yourself. Christian or not, you can save yourself. And he says the way you by do that nice. is by helping other people. By being nice, you can
1: save yourself.
0: And so, and you know what's
1: so so so? You, it's like there's so many layers. We could talk about it forever. At first, it goes, "Oh, well, that's good news because that's actually, I I could be a, I could be a nice person, right? No, you can't. You can't. No, you can't. A lot of the nice things you do are done for selfish reasons. Most of the nice things you do, you do it because you're insecure. You want people to look look at you better. You, you want people to favors. know that
0: you're nice. You want to get favors back. You want
1: to get, and. Um, if you truly try to be a good person, you'll realize how difficult that actually is. This is why like all the people we look up to most, they go, they go off and like become radicals because like you, you just can't
0: do it. You can't embody that. Yeah. And so, so this is to, based on what you just said, this is actually bad news. This is a counter gospel because if it were true, then it'd be like, okay, so all you have to do is go help other people. And that how much, how much do I have to help people? Right. What will ease my conscience?
1: What will give me security at night when I'm wondering, have I done enough good things today right. that if I were to die in my
0: sleep, I've crossed the line into and, saving and myself deep down was my helping of other people actually about me.
1: And now I'm scared that I'm not doing enough caring for other people. So I'm actually not caring for people. I'm just trying to, you know, cross enough little checkbox off. I've done fifteen, fifteen 15 good things today. But how many bad things did you do? Oh, well man, well that's negative thirty three. Yeah.
0: And so you really We gave Kevin the hot chip. We did. You yeah, know how much good stuff we have to do in the next few hours? We're doomed. We're doomed. And so this is a false gospel, and it's why it matches today's theme, because he's he's offering something that sounds really nice and open minded and universal and everybody's offered a way in, but it's actually not good news. And meanwhile, what the the gospels themselves are saying, the story of all of scripture is saying is actually you are selfish, which deep down we all know that's true about ourselves. If we're honest, you are selfish. You are not capable of saving yourself. And if you could, you wouldn't do the right stuff anyway. And so God has done for you what you cannot do. Dad's on his deathbed.
1: Dad hasn't been a good dad. He's had 70 years of being a horrible person and you're a Christian and you go to him and you want to tell him about the love of Christ and you say, dad, if you can start being nice, you can make up. You got to help other people. You, you got to help. No, no. In the moment when he's on a deathbed and there's a life of sin and rebellion, he knows it, you knows it because he's your dad. Yeah. You have to be able to look him into the eye and say, your future is not dependent upon you being nice, your works, or stuff you've done. It's dependent upon someone else's victory. And I want you to know that because of Jesus' victory, he has defeated Satan, sin, and death. And even now, you've wasted your entire life. There remains hope for you in your final fleeting moments. That's the power of the gospel. And you can do that to someone who's five years old, 10 years old, or 100 years old. Uh, and out of that, good, the Bible says good works flow because yeah. God changes you. And
0: but they do. And they do. And that's one of the things, one of the big lies of culture is, is covering up and ignoring and missing how much good is done throughout the world by people who, who claim Jesus as king and follow him. Yeah. Orphanages, nonprofit work, feeding the hungry, giving water to people who don't have access to water. This, it's not only done by Christians, but Christians absolutely have the lion's share of the market on all of that stuff. Because, and it's a bunch of imperfect people who are still selfishly motivated and all of this stuff, but trying to follow a king who saved them. And so, yeah, the, the gospel. I'm going to give you a definition. Give it's it to clunky me. okay
1: and, and we, you know in staff meetings today we've we've had some some you know back and forth because stuff will be technically right but it'll sound yeah. clunky for like a naming of something <laughs> that's true and i'm sort of like unhappy either way but here's here's if i had to give a succinct summary a, a succinct sentence
0: help other people christian or not be Sorry. nice <laughs> be nice got be it. really nice really oh, that sounds hard okay
1: um the gospel is The announcement that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, he has defeated Satan, sin, and death.
0: Boom. And you know what's amazing? I know you well enough to know you probably don't remember this and you just came up with that on your own, but it's within like one or two words of the like official definition of the gospel Mm. that we came up with like five years ago. Or more. It's, it's pretty good, actually. It's pretty darn good. So now, we, and I would say, and it's a good,
1: I mean, it's kind of a fun exercise, but it's like, it, I could reduce it to the victory of Jesus. Yeah. But then, okay, victory of Jesus over what? And then you can keep adding, que- and this is actually a good exercise. You keep adding questions. Victory of Jesus over what? Well, then let's look at the story of Scripture. Satan, sin, death, there's these massive problems. And then you could say, uh, okay, what does the victory over sin mean? Well, that's the forgiveness of sin. What happens if you have forgiveness of sin? You're restored to a right relationship with with God. And what does that mean for once you die? And you go down these roads. What does the victory over Satan mean? That's one that the modern world doesn't do a lot of. The first Christians were really focused on this idea that Jesus has defeated Satan. Uh, What does it mean to say Jesus has defeated death? Because in the scriptures, it's more than just he came back to life. Right. It's a lot more than that, and so you. We're going to talk
0: fire. a little bit about this in our Halloween episode in oh two weeks, my. so get ready for that too.
1: On that episode, we are actually going to light Kevin's tongue on fire. <laughs> We're just putting like some gasoline in just there.
0: He's going to light his whole mouth on fire. But, but yeah, so
1: those 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 are good things to do. And so okay, what does it mean? Um, what what does the gospel mean f- between me and God? What are the implications? What does it mean between me and fellow human beings? And so you keep teasing these things out, and that is the work of gospel-centered Christian theology. But you start at the core, which is the announcement of Jesus.
0: Yeah, and the, amount, the announcement of Jesus' is victory. And so, so I have said for years that the gospel is the victory of Jesus over Satan, sin, and death through his life, death, and resurrection, which has all yeah. the same exact elements yeah. as what you said, that there's the, what he's victorious over, Satan, sin, death. All, yeah. I believe all those things are very important and then it's his life, death, and resurrection is the means of victory. And so... I like to, or to to, just uh,
1: maybe to summarize those three major enemies, th- the victory of Jesus over all things. Yeah, yeah, that's so great too. Satan, sin, and death is spelling it out because those are the three kind of like major enemies in the scripture. Um, or you could just say all things because it kind of sounds epic.
0: That's always that's always the rub. Technical precision yeah, versus like... Versus pithy, poetic, poetic. Memorability. yeah. Yeah, and so again the biggest key for you who's watching this as a christian is not getting like it'd be great to have a good definition that you're comfortable with and i have certainly like benefited from having one that's kind of locked and loaded but the most important thing to remember is it is an announcement of the victory of jesus in the past it already happened we're announcing it. it's good news it's the best news it's the greatest news
1: that's why they had it right when they say the greatest story ever told
0: yeah absolutely it's the story of Jesus, and, and, it's the, and the phrase story. "the good news." And so, the thing is, if you are a Christian, and we can close with this: if you are a Christian and you actually believe this thing happened two thousand years ago, it's there's no question that what you're going to do is tell people about mm-hmm. this. Right? Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's not awkward, especially mm-hmm. in the modern world. But dude, if we have like an amazing taco from a new restaurant, we can't stop telling people about that. Right? Yeah. So no, you that's believe an important application
1: point. Is that? When you truly understand the nature of how good this news actually is, um, it's not of like, oh gosh, I have to do this evangelism thing. I have to get my words right. Whenever you experience something that good in life, you just tell people. You have a baby. Oh yeah, did you? Yeah, I had it. What'd you name it? You just tell people. I mean, this this is a, a joke that's been done over and over again. But it's like when people discover CrossFit, yeah, <laughs> they get so into Cross they can't stop. They they. They start gospeling. Yeah. Cross. Oh, dude. You know, I would just did, did yeah. my
0: CrossFit, veganism, keto,
1: whatever it may be, whatever that thing is, you get so excited about it that you just, it's contagious and you, you want spread. everybody to know, you want everybody to know, dude, did you see that movie? Oh my gosh. It was so good. That's how Christians ought to be with the good news.
0: Yep. Let's check in with Kevin one more time to make sure he's still alive. The man, the myth, the legend. You're good. Hats off to you. Is it, is it burning still? I am shocked. I'm amazed. I'm impressed. Should we check in uh, tomorrow to see how Kevin's doing in the morning? (laughs) Hey, thanks for watching everybody. Oh, quick reminder before we go next week is the Q and a episode. So if you have questions about the gospels, about the gospel, about any of the stuff that we covered. Or unconditional election. Or unconditional election, which is the U in Tulip. (laughs) Send them to this email or comment on the video, and we will answer them next week. See you guys then.